0: Straight up, the price of admission, growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit, adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, fighting below the surface, win or learn. Always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. They're still kindling that fire, taking to the fleet and beyond, living the values today through faith, With the family and at the job obsessed with ownership and accountability winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity pedal to the metal paying the price of admission let's go and i I talked to matt right before this matt neshek i know you know who who that guy is Uh, and we talked about the harper's ferry thing and we'll get there but um yeah, he, he had nothing but great things to say about you. And I know that, um, yeah, you, you're you almost like a uh, invincible guy, like, like we all look up to. So, so this will be good. I don't know about
1: that. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. But I don't know about invincible. All right. Man, I got so, chinks in my armor, too.
0: Yeah, well, sometimes it's really hard to see. And that's what we're going to dig into today, hopefully. Yeah. Because we all want to know what those chinks are. Yeah. Um, so quick intro for Jervia Loda, everybody. Um, you're taking me out of my comfort zone today. Um, ha- have you listened to any of the episodes already?
1: I heard, uh, I heard Matt. Um, I know that you did Irv. Um, yes. Swerve. Um, and I know that, you know, you've, I don't know if you've done Clint yet, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, Clint and I. Um, Clint's coming up, I think, next week. So. Yeah, there's two Clints. So,
0: there's Clint Sovi and there's Clint Bruce. So
1: yeah, no, next Clint week. Bruce. I don't know who Clint Sovey is. He's probably a little bit younger, but yeah. I, I, am one of the old dogs, one of the ancients. So uh, and we'll get there. Yeah, oh, I, I, I'm excited, man. I, I know that you got a bunch of things up your sleeve, so I'm, I'm ready to go.
0: No doubt. Um. So, for the for the group, Jervy was uh, raised in the streets of San Diego. Been a SWO ever since graduating the United States Naval Academy. He was a a class of 98, team captain, 97, um, commanding officer of three different shifts or three different ships. Um, He actually had a turnaround situation, which I'm really excited to get into um, with one of those ships. Um, and, And now he's doing secret squirrel stuff up in the mountains of Colorado Springs is a director of uh, missile warning center. Is that right? Yep. Cool. Uh, nicknamed fill the quota a loader <laughs> <laughs> making it happen. And, and it's, you know, just, you don't get a nickname without actually, you know, walking the talk. So really excited about, uh, hearing more about that fear factor,
1: your own fear factor. Yeah, I didn't put that on my resume, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things where uh, signed up, got picked up, and you know the kind of the competitive nature of my uh, my being took over. And one of those things where I just you know faced Army, uh, you know Air Force, and and the Marines, and refused to lose to those jokers. Um, so yeah, took <laughs> home some cash and uh, had a blast doing it. So did you get to talk to Joe Rogan a lot?
0: On the on the back side of it, not, not on the TV, but did you get to like talk to him a little bit more on the? Oh uh,
1: no, it was a little disappointing. Never. He was yeah. one of those guys that when you know the uh, the lights Hearing were the, on and yeah. and they were recording, he was all like all about the energy. And then when it shut off, man, he was dead. And as yep. soon as I started talking about rolling and and jujitsu, he kind of you know puckered up and and uh, he he had some a bit some some excitement to him. But yep. other than that, man, I, I was a little bit. Uh, Kind of disappointed um by the interactions i had with them
0: gotcha so for the fear factor folks out there that want to look at that do you remember the season and episode number oh
1: uh i don't know there's not too many jervia loaders out there but oh just, just google it military <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. military fear factor um yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's one of the it, it, there's only a few military ones for sure and then you talked about rolling you talk about
0: MMA a little bit there. What was yep. your experience there? Because you you had some time in the fighting space.
1: Yeah, I was a uh, I was a wrestler growing up. Um, I was a um, a junior national freestyle wrestler. Did some in high school. I didn't like to to ride, folks. I mean, I was a really skinny guy. I wrestled ninety eight pounds in high school, um, so I was a tiny guy. I loved to throw people, um, and I loved to you know take people down. Um, so then um kind of lost the love with wrestling during high school um why and then i started doing judo after i graduated um became a black belt in judo and then uh like just tinkered a little bit with some um with some full you know mma have a few amateur bouts under my belt so i've had fun you know every time i I, i'm on ships with marines i always do the mcmap with them i always tap them out and make them feel um you know less of themselves but you know i (laughs) I just love the physical nature of rolling and wrestling and grappling, and uh, even at this old age, man, it's uh, it's a it's a good way to stay young, um, and and keep that competitive spirit alive. Awesome. I
0: want to go back to your uh, your separation there from wrestling into to like what was that like? What made you feel like you
1: needed to change your direction on that? Um, well, so the wrestling stopped, um, you know, I, I never had a cut weight. Um, but it was one of those things where, um, I really wanted to play football. My goal was to play football. And I knew that if I continued on with wrestling, um, that I couldn't gain the weight that I wanted to, to um, to gain. I wasn't a very strong guy. I never hit the weight room. Um, so, um, I kind of lost the love for wrestling because I really had a, you know, a goal to play football at the next level, at the collegiate level. Um, so I stopped wrestling. And then, you know, just the the combative, um, you know, with the combative nature of like boxing, judo at the academy. Um, you know, I, I had a good buddy of mine. Um, we went to SWAS together, and he was a big judo player. And he invited me to go out there one time. And um, I just, the, the instincts and the skills of my wrestling background came into play and just throwing folks. And I was like, "Holy smokes, man! This is fun!" And I get more leverage with the gi and belt. Um, and then I just—you don't have to go the full, you know, five minutes or whatever it is. If you just get one big throw and they land on their back, then it's a epon and that's it—you win. Um, so then I just started doing that. And then I went to a Army, um, the Command General Staff College um, for for my JPME and my master's. And I I joined their uh, combatives team. So I represented the army in the all combatives tournament, and um, you know it, I just had a blast, and um, I just kind of took that to the next level. Did more MMA and really kind of fell in love with the with the whole striking um, and still using you know leverage to throw folks. And um, you know I just I, it, it was it was fun. Judo has a little bit of jujitsu in it, um, so I can always get folks in chokeholds and arm bars. Um, but you know I, I think what got me the most intrigued with the sport was just the competitive nature um, still being able to compete at an old age um, and being able to like get done with it in a relatively fast um, you know, manner where you don't have to do the full you know 6 10 minutes or whatever it was nice alright using leverage to throw folks that,
0: <laughs> that has become a theme in our conversation so let's keep going you ready? yeah all right, um, so I mean th- that's really my my intro there. You know, Jervy is the uh, you know '97 team captain, and by the way, number two in all time tackles for for Navy football, uh, which is a huge deal. Um, I think I have the know.
1: record for consecutive starts. Um, you know, I was talking to Scott Strassmeyer about that. I think I'm more proud of that, the fact that I was able, even like my small body, I've been able to, you know, start over 40 games consecutive um, with my, over my four years there. I, I think that that needs to be a stat. Did you uh, start I, I was pretty as proud. a freshman? I started the sixth game into the season as a freshman and didn't look back. Goodness gracious.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, because um, I know Clint Sovie and – Ross Pospol and um, Craig Schaefer will, will attest to this. Like, if you made a mistake in our day, you got pulled, bro. Like, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you didn't have a I mean, chance. I know you played with uh, with Joe Speed and and all those folks, but um, it was one of those things where uh, Joe, RB Green, um, uh, Chris Hart, and Andy Thompson. I mean, we were all DBs, and I was a, I was a freshman. And um, you know, if if somebody got you know, caught slacking or wasn't paying attention or doing, um, you know, their, their full preparation, they got pulled. And, um, you know, here I am young freshman. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, man. I don't want to make any enemies, but you know, if if you're not performing somebody had to go. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, I was able to, you know, maintain my position there by, by working hard and, and preparing myself, my body and my mind, um, you know, for the, for the games themselves for sure and
0: I didn't know that uh, the green uh, there um, I you know fun story Green was in uh, Afghanistan when I was there um, on an advisor team and he stopped by and he you know had a, a nice little speech and um,
1: it's just a small world right like it is yeah and, and I don't know I mean one of the things and I think this is how we got in contact was, you know that I know we're going to get to the Harper's Ferry, but uh, I've come across a lot of ball players. Um, you know, with every ship that I've been on, and it's something unique and fascinating about serving with brothers from different decades, and it's all like sharing the same exact stories. Um, you know, and the same experiences. And I never, I never met Matt, um, but I could tell. You know, just by looking at him, his chiseled face and his sexy bod, that he was a ball player. And then, like, as soon as we kind of <laughs> Um, you know, you know, introduced ourselves with each other. Man, it was just kind of a uh, a relation made in heaven, especially on that ship and everything that we had to overcome and accomplish uh, with the short time we were there. Awesome. Well,
0: I think I'm done talking now. Um, I'm ready to hear your story. And then, <laughs> so, so since you've heard a couple of them already, your price of admission, price of admission, the work, the yep. sacrifice, the you know the the things that you had to overcome during that time, um, tell the story and tie that price of admission in to that story.
1: Yeah, so um, I think it all started when I was a 10-year-old, um, and I all I wanted to do was play football at Notre Dame. Um, I know that's probably not what you want to hear or anyone else out there wants to hear, but I had this vision, man. I had this goal. I wanted to play uh, football, wearing that gold helmet, looking up at Touchdown Jesus, Um, You know, at the Golden Dome, and I told myself um, that I was going to do whatever it took to play football at Notre Dame. Um, And then, you know, we kind of talked about that I was a small kid in high school, um, you know, ninety-eight pounds. um, But my all I wanted to do was, you know, be in South Bend playing football at Notre Dame. So here I am, you know, in high school, senior year. I played at a really good school in San Diego, Morse High School. Um, They're ranked fourth in the nation my sophomore year, and they're you know always nationally nationally ranked. So I didn't get to start till my senior year, and um, you know I, I told myself, man, I, I I don't care what I gotta do. I don't care if I just started as a senior. Uh, I'm gonna get my butt over to South Bend and play for Lou Holtz at Notre Dame. Um, but when after the season came, we had a really good season. My senior year, I was undefe- We were undefeated. Um, I, I, I was able to be the captain of that team. Although that, you know, those guys that were starting um, as you know sophomores. Freshmen that were USA Today, All-Americans, played All-Americans. Uh, but I had this gift of, you know, just being able to connect with the players there uh, uh, and, and get them, um, you know, plan beyond themselves. So they made me uh, the captain of that team, which was awesome. Um, but, you know, through all of our success, N- Notre Dame never came calling, uh, which is probably likely because I was only weighing <laughs> 145 at the time. Um, but there was a guy... Um, on my team, um, that was highly recruited. His name was LeBron Butts. Uh, he was a recruited wide receiver, um, and there was a school called Navy um, that was really interested in him. Really tall guy. I think he was like six four. He was a basketball player as well. Really big hands. Uh, he ran like a deer. Really smart guy. He was um, the kind of receiver that Navy wanted. Um, well, I really didn't have any other big offers, um, and uh, you know, he kind of threw it in my ear. Hey, how about you come with me to Navy? And I was like, man, I'll, I'll never be able to get to, to a school like Navy. Well, he ended up saying, Hey, I will go to Navy if you bring Jervy along with me. Um, and sure enough, we both ended up going to naps. Um, you know, we were napsers together. We both were in three run. Um, you know, we just, you know, we were best friends in high school we remained best friends at naps. Um, and, You know, all I really wanted to do was, you know, I knew that this was a D1 program. I didn't think I was D1 material. I was telling myself, man, I just want to be on the travel squad by my senior year. Um, I came in, I think I was a free safety, (laughs) probably on fourth on the depth chart um, at NAPS. And uh, we had some really big studs, Um, you know, Rashad Smith, Kevin Lewis, uh, Pat Buchanan. I mean, just really um, studs that were all, you know, they looked the part uh, 6'1", 6'2", 205. Um, and here I was, you know, 5'10", 145 when I reported at NAPS. Um, So I was just, like, happy to be a part of the family. 5'10", 145?
0: Yeah,
1: man, I was tiny. I I didn't hit any weights. Again, I was a wrestler, baseball player, um, and it wasn't until – and so my coach at at NAPS was a guy by the name of Mike Loxley, who is now the head coach at Maryland. Um, And he was a DB at Towson, um, and, uh, you know – it was like through the second or third game at NAPS when he was like, man, you got something special. And you know, I went from fourth of the depth chart to starting free safety um, at NAPS um, only because I was freaking tenacious, man. I was like a freaking chihuahua out there just biting ankles and being where I was supposed to be, uh, running to the ball, working hard. And, um, you know, because of that, I was able to start, you know, maybe set third or second or third game in, in, into the season, you know, And, you know, just to think of those studs that I had to, you know, pass, um, you know, who were like blue chippers, you know, quote, unquote, blue chippers going to the academy. I felt pretty dang proud, Um, especially when, you know, my goal was just to you know be a part of the team, be a part of the family, be a part of brotherhood and try to make the, you know, the travel squad by my senior year. Um, And then, you know, long story short, man, uh, we get to the academy, you know, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the... uh, we called ourselves um it was it was the um you know the practice squad. Um, you know, we gave the starters a look. We played San Diego State our first game. LeBron Butts, my my buddy from high school, best friend, he got he was traveling, um, he was getting some run as a freshman. He went back home on the first game and I was like, Man, you know, I, I'm real proud of you. Um, you know, I, I wish I can go, but I know that I'm nowhere near there. Um, so they came back, they got their butts whooped. I think it was like 45-0 at halftime. (laughs) They came back to school, and they blamed it all on the scout team. They blamed it all on us because we didn't give them a good look. The entire time, we weren't able to hit them. I mean, they were all prima donnas. We couldn't take them down to the ground. It was never live. So then as soon as they got their asses whooped, they let the scout team go, full go, and it was awesome. We We got so pumped. We had our little red skullies on uh scout team we had a name for ourselves i forgot what we called ourselves but we really kind of took it personal um and they had a running back yeah, by the name of monty sure. williams um they did like this toss sweep out of the eye formation they're still a pro uh you know a pro style offense and i was playing free safety you know i ran my little banana route and it was me and monty williams and i freaking closed my eyes put my head down and i lit his ass up and then so he was down on his back I kind of had a little bit of stars going on and everyone was kind of cheering, except for Coach Chomp. Coach, he blew the whistle and he was like, man, this is exactly what got our asses whooped. How are you going to let this? plebe do that to you. Everybody line it back up. Everyone's dead except for you and you. And he pointed to me and Monty Williams. And we ran the same play and it was live. I was like, holy smokes, here we go. I'm still a little bit woozy um, you know, from the, f- the first time we ran that play. So sure enough, they ran the play. Uh, didn't my same approach and closed my eyes, prayed with all my might, put my head down, and same result. I had stars, I don't know what the hell happened. Next thing you know, people were lifting me up on their shoulders, uh, and chanting my name. I was like, Holy smokes, man, this is I, I must have done something pretty awesome. Stock practice, um, and he said, Jervy Lota, you are now on the on, you're gonna be traveling and you're gonna be a wedge buster on the kickoff team. I was like, Oh my gosh, nice. what the hell just happened? Um, yeah, so then. Uh, So,
0: hold on. Hold on a second. What did that teach you?
1: Oh, man, that it doesn't matter where you are. When your opportunity comes, make the most of it. You know, I don't care what you think. Answer the door. Absolutely. You know, that's that's opportunity knocking. uh, And if you're not ready to take advantage, um, that's your fault. Um, So. From then on, I was traveling. I was like, "Oh my God!" I was experiencing the life on the charter planes with the shrimp cocktail. Uh, man, it was life was awesome. <laughs> You're leaving the yards in the, you know, even in Annapolis for home games, and um, made some plays. Uh, I think. Long story short, you know, kind of wrap it all up. There I was, sixth game in the season, um, standing on the 50-yard line, looking up at touchdown Jesus with my gold helmet on thinking, holy smokes, man, I achieved my goal in life, which was to play football at Notre Dame uh, with that gold helmet. Man, obviously it wasn't for Notre Dame, but I was I was in awe. You know, I was on the same field as Lou Holtz, my, my idol. Um, I was looking up at at folks that I followed all through um, you know, their times at at, at Notre Dame. And I was thinking to myself, man, here I am, freshman at the Naval Academy, starting free safety. Um, you know, achieving my lifelong goal of playing football at Notre Dame. And that's when I was just like, had to pinch myself and and thought to myself, man, I freaking made it. Um, Unfortunately, we lost. And, you know, one of the regrets I have for playing Navy football is every year we were close. Uh, We never got it done. Um, But um, it was such a joy being able to play against Notre Dame and and the different venues that we played at. Um, You know, we (laughs) my freshman year, we were up. Uh, I, I think it was – I mean, we were up by 10 points or, or, or something like that. And then I remember Coach Chomp coming in the locker room. We were all pumped, freaking jazzed on cloud nine. He came in, and he freaking yelled at us. And he was just like, I don't know why you're so excited. Uh, you know, that we have d- done nothing yet. These guys are going to come out in the second half and want to kick your ass. And you guys think you guys did something. So you guys better get it together because we're about to get something that you've never felt before. And then it was just like we just got yelled at. We're freaking on a high, and uh, you know you're yelling at us, man. We went to the third quarter. And we and he was right. We got our asses handed to us. We had no energy going into the second half. Um, we ended up losing by like 14 points, but uh, we were feeling so good about ourselves until that freaking halftime speech, and I'll never forget it.
0: Yeah, it's funny the things that we never forget. Oh yeah, right? yeah, and, and how that drives us in, into the future, and and and. That's all she wrote. So, so what's next for, for Jervy after that in your career? Uh,
1: after football or after what I'm doing now?
0: Uh, after football. Where'd you go from there?
1: Oh, for, after that. So then, you know, again, um, having the opportunity to play under John Faye, Clint Bruce, um, you know, kind of my idols and then, you know, understanding what it, what it takes to be a Navy captain or a football captain. I'm um, kind of just – I just wanted to do the things that they wanted to do, inspire, um, play your ass off on the field, lead by example. Uh, So I tried to do that my senior year. Unfortunately, um, you know, we had a great season, um, but we didn't because we had two 1AA uh, schools on our schedule. uh, We only had, I think we finished off seven and four, but we had two wins against two uh, 1AA uh, teams. So we didn't get the opportunity to play in a bowl game. Um, so that, that 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 sucked. We did get the victory over Army. Um, that's one thing that Clinton and, and John and RB never had. Um, so just being able to beat Army, uh, we did it for them because um, they kind of they're the ones that turned the program around, and uh, we wanted to make sure that we got a, a victory over Army, um, even though that's one of the things that they said they couldn't do. Um, and then so after that, um, I GA'd. Um, I was had the opportunity, you know, to to be on, you know, play under some au- unbelievable coaches: Gary Patterson, uh, Coach Pearson, Brian Nor- Norwood. Um, so uh, I, I, I GA'd for a year uh, for for Dick Bumpus, um, and it was just an unbelievable experience. Getting paid to coach, and I mean, I was bagel boy in the morning, waking up at four thirty, getting all the coaches bagels, and I just really had an appreciation uh, for what those guys did and, and the amount of hours that they put in. People don't see behind the scenes what the coaches go through. Um, No doubt. And either just through the season, during recruiting. um, I mean, it is hard, hard work. And uh, having, um, you know, my eyes open to their lifestyle um, was super helpful. I I still wanted to do it. I still wanted that life. Um, But I don't think folks truly understood. I certainly didn't um, how much work they actually put in during the season and off the season. Um, and then after that, um, you know, I did the typical SWO route, went to Newport, um, you know, got on my first ship. Um, I, I've been on like seven or eight ships now, and uh, I've ab- absolutely loved it. You know, all I wanted to do was teach and coach. I chose SWO because it's kind of the f- fastest way out of the service, out of my commitment. Um, but I ended up um, uh, becoming a SWO so that I can eventually do my five years uh, and then do the things that I that I want to do, which was um, – coach, teach, be a positive influence in young people's lives. I didn't realize, um, you know, until I was on the ship as a young ensign that the things that I want to do out of life, coach and teach, I could do that as an officer. I could do that as division division officer, um, you know, first tour, second tour. Having these young guys coming to you and asking you life questions about relationships, about finances, um, you know, just about anything at all. Um, you know, and then you see the impact that you're you're having on them, that you're actually making a difference in their lives. I was like, man, everything that I wanted to do, I'm actually doing it as a division officer. Um, and then I went to become a department head, and it was just the same thing, but at a much higher level, uh, with which a lot more responsibility, more people, more equipment, um, and, and and the stakes were a little bit higher. Um, so every major milestone in my life, um, I was gonna get out right. I, I had kids, I had a beautiful wife. I was going to get out and do the things I wanted to do. Um, Gary Patterson over at TCU called me several times and said, hey, bro, I thought you were getting out. When are you going to come work for me? So and, Gary uh,
0: Patterson coached at Navy? He did. He was From TCU?
1: Dude, yeah.
0: like when I was in high school and I was getting recruited, I went to TCU. I was like, I want to go to TCU. Yeah. I would say I wasn't TCU material because they
1: were, like, awesome at the yeah. time. So, so like, he was still, at the Navy when you were there? Yeah, and that's why oh, um, goodness. I, I, our defense was, you know, rank sixth in the nation. Um, you know, a total defense. We had some phenomenal minds. Dick Bumpus um was the defensive coordinator. Uh well, I guess he was a D line coach at TCU, and, and Patterson was a defensive coordinator. And then when Patterson became the head coach, Dick Bumpus was his coordinator. He just
0: connected a lot of dots for me. Um, and it's blowing my mind. Cause yeah. you know. Uh, and, and I remember like as a high school recruit going to TCU and watching that and the, and the horn and frog defense was awesome. By yep. the
1: way, when I was four two my, five, man, that's exactly oh my what you're we Gosh. Were.
0: And like their linebackers were exactly like what I wanted to be. Right? Yeah. So I'd watch them and I watched their movements and I watched their steps. And so I didn't waste any energy. And that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, you know, whether you, you, you think it or not, the, the 90, you know, 98, 97, 96, 95 group of, of, of Navy football was somewhat of a godfather group. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people out there want to hear the thoughts of that group and them. Really excited to have you on here to to hear more about it. So
1: yeah, and, um, and just going back to Gary Patterson, you could call him right now. I still talk to him even though he's at Texas right now. He would say that I was the least talented. <laughs> Texas doing safety. good. What's that? Oh, he's doing great. He said, and, and, and I think my claim to fame for Gary Patterson is I was the least talented free safety he's ever coached. But he would take me in a heartbeat because I understood what he was trying to get after. Um, I had a knack for the ball. Uh, I couldn't jump as high as them. I wasn't as fast as them. I wasn't as big as them. Um, but I, I did my studying. I did my preparations. Um, and I had a feel for the game. Um, and, yes. and that's why Gary Patterson wanted me to coach for him. I always wanted to, but I was having way too much fun in the Navy. Um, so, yeah, go, going back to your question about um, kind of being the godfathers, um, I, I think the big change in, in, in what happened with us is um, we went to the triple option. Uh, we were pro style offense my freshman year, sophomore year. That's when Paul Johnson, uh, Coach Weatherby, Coach Niamat, um came and they they turned our offense around. I mean it was funny because at Naps, Chris McCoy was a corner, uh, starting corner, and he was a, just a phenomenal athlete. And uh, um, you know we were all on the scout team freshman year, and anytime we played Army or we played Air Force. Chris McCoy was always the scout team offense. And we were like, man, this dude is special, man. He has a freaking cannon. He could can run. He's shifty. Um, yeah, we always thought he was a knucklehead, but, um, you know, he was such a great talent. And then so when we went to the triple option, we knew right away who our starting quarterback was going to be. It was going to be Chris McCoy, no doubt about it, hands down. And uh, I remember the first game sophomore year against SMU. Um, this dude goes off. I mean, I think he had like 275 yards rushing. He was unstoppable. And, um, you know, that's when, after that game, a legend was born. Um, so our offense was, you know, unstoppable because no one could prepare for us, um, as you know. Um, and, you know, this is the first year we're running the triple option, so they had no clue. They didn't even have time to prep for what we uh, what we were running against them. Um, but one of the things that we pride ourselves in, uh, other than, you know, that offensive um, changes what we did defensively um, you know we just we stopped running this stupid you know zone where ev- everyone was just kind of throwing things underneath Um, we were just getting our asses whooped um, you know yeah, we that, and that's what kind of we were my freshman year to a very aggressive uh four two five, um, you know kind of um, a, 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 a man style coverage um, you know and just challenging folks and we had the folks who can run with Um, you know, the best of the receivers that were out there, RB Green and Sean Andrews, and uh, we were able to That's the
0: biggest challenge that the service academies have, period. Oh,
1: absolutely. Like the skill guys, uh, can you run with, you know, a D1 non-academy skill guy? Um, You know, mano-a-mano, our best versus your best, Um, it's not likely we'll win. Uh, But we had some guys that could do it. And, um, you know, the, the way that we were able to, you know, grind folks offensively, you know, ball control and then get the three and outs on our side. Um, It was, um, you know, that's the recipe for success, right? That's why you go to the option. So you could just freaking grind, um, you know, keep the ball out of their hands. But when they, when the opposite team has the ball, are you going to be able to get off the field, um, you know, get the three and outs um, so that, you know, you can get the ball back. And uh, so we, you know, we had some success. We had guys like Clint Bruce, um, you know, guys like, um, you know, um, you know, Travis Cooley coffee um, who are just absolute beasts um and, and and the bottom line is they just wanted to win i remember when we were at naps and we just we are part of uh an organization that was used to winning or excuse me used to lose used to losing um we told ourselves after our first game at naps i think we like we lost to stonehill a team we shouldn't have lost to um we we went up to the third deck uh, of um forgot whatever hall that was. And we, we had a meeting. We told ourselves, man, I, I don't know about you guys. And it, it was led by, you know, some of um, uh, the de- defensive players. Like, everywhere we've been, we're all part of, like, great organizations in high school uh, where we're used to winning. And, um, you know, w- w- we're not going to be a part of, you know, what these guys are used to now. We need to change this thing, um, change this thing up and turn it around. Uh, and, and from that moment on, we dedicated ourselves to turning the program, even though we were Napsters, <laughs> around. And then we went to that Army-Navy game um, in Philly where uh, Boots went wide right. Um, and we were just like, man, this ain't ever going to happen to us. Um, and then so we just kind of we committed to ourselves. And, um, you know, sure enough, you look at our senior year, man, we had – 10 of 11 starters on the defense side of the ball. Um, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, our class, I think, is the first class um, since the early, and this was 97, um, since the early 80s to have a winning record um, as a whole um, for the four years being there. So, um, you know, just the things that we were able to accomplish and some of the things that we were able to turn around, you know, having that huge bowl win in in, in Hawaii um, was huge. Um you know, and we were able to kind of set some sort of standard um, of success uh, while while we were there, and it was it was good to be able to turn that thing around, um, and, and 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 just being able to you know be honored with the the Godfathers of Navy football. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of disrespectful to like the Starbucks and the and the Naps of the world, um, but you know, if, if 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 your generation will call us that, then I'm all for it. The. <sighs> There's,
0: there's a funny, you know, a turnaround is a turnaround. Okay. Yep. So like a turnaround may feel like something, you know, really big, but seem really small. It may <laughs> feel really small, but actually be really big. And, you know, I'm trying to, to tie this into your, uh, uh, your Harper's ferry <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> somewhat, yeah. you know? Um, but Sometimes a turnaround is just a simple, like, change in direction that culturally may not seem like it's going to happen really easily. Uh, It may seem like, you know, from one year to the next when the turnaround actually happens, it may not feel like a whole lot. But there's a lot that goes into that, right? So Um, Yeah.
1: So, I mean, you could change leadership. um, You could change schemes. But unless the people buy in – and unless people, um, as a collective group, um, yes. you know, commit to the change, uh, it's never going to happen. Um, True. you could know, you bring a coach in all day long, but if the people don't believe in the system, don't believe in what they're trying to accomplish, um, you know, it, 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 it's not going to work. And that's why like on the right. Harper's Ferry, um, yes, it was, it was unique. Um, and just kind of, to brush over the experience on the, on the harbors ferry. and um, they were a losing organization. They couldn't get out to sea. They failed a lot of assessment twice. Um, they failed ready for sea. Um, and then they're just like enough's enough. Uh, we need new leadership. And the only thing that changed, um, was myself and the commanding officer there. Um, I, when I first took over and, and this was funny, I don't know if Matt told you this story, but I huddled, I huddled them all up. And I basically called them all losers. Um, And on my watch, we will no longer lose from this moment forward. Um, And uh, they kind of were shocked. Like, This dude just called us a loser. Um, And what I did was I gave them some guidance. I gave them, um, you know, just a little bit of vision. And then I got out of the way. I told them that I believe in you. Um, I know that you guys haven't experienced many wins here on this ship, but I know that you guys have the talent to succeed. And sailors are smart. You know, department heads are smart. They all want to win. They just weren't given the opportunity to do their jobs. So I told them, I called them all losers. I told them from this moment forward, uh, we, we will no longer lose. We're going to be a bunch of winners and it's all going to start with this team and this family right here. And I was really kind of channeling my inner uh, football about, you know, winning the locker room and making sure that people bought in, having that same common goal. And that was to win. Um, and then folks, I remember just looking at Matt in the eye and he was just so fired up, man. Like he was you know afterwards he said, like finally we just here, we, all we needed was a little bit of motivation and somebody that believed in us. Um, yeah, so long story short, man, I just uh, I gave them that vision. I got out of the way and I just watched them go. And it was small victory after small victory, riding this momentum. They then started to feel good about themselves. Their chests started to pop, you know, yes. puff out. Chins got a little bit higher, and they're like, "Man, we could do this. We're not kind of a freaking a bunch of losers like everyone on the waterfront thought we were." And then next thing you know, man, um, you know, we're out to sea. Folks are telling me or asking me if we could stay out to sea because they're having so much fun, um, and we changed that culture uh, in a matter of weeks because they were able to do the things that they were trained to do, and it was an awesome sight to see. Um and I'll never forget that tour only because I was only there for maybe six, seven months. But we turned that ship around from being, you know, the laughing stock of the waterfront to being the go-to ship. Um and Matt will attest to that. And uh um we we were all pretty proud of ourselves with the things that we were able to accomplish in just a short amount of time.
0: That's an awesome story. I actually when I was uh preparing for this conversation, I looked up obviously I googled your name and I found that. I found a news article, Navy commander walks the plank. Uh, you probably <laughs> heard of that one or whatever, for poor, for p- poor performance. And then you took over. Um, you know, my question was, you know, how did you turn that around? You just told me about it. Yeah. Right. And then my next question was, um, you know, especially like, how did you turn that around with the supply officer uh, that you had at the time? Uh, but you kind of described that too. I mean,
1: and and it wasn't easy, right? Like, so I I took over on a Thursday. We got underway on a Monday, and I didn't know anyone. I didn't know who was my go-to players. Uh, I didn't know who were my studs or studettes. I just had to have blind faith in the team um, that they were able to do it. I had enough faith in my abilities to keep a ship out of harm's way, Um, but I didn't know who my engineers were, who, you know, my combat systems folks. Um, I didn't know, uh, you know, just from the reputation, it was like, man, it was a failed ship. And I remember um, going through the channel. I don't know if you know, are you a SWO What what are you? No, uh, USMC Logistics. Okay, so you're, uh, I'm a Marine. So, um, you know, big old ship in the small channel, you make one wrong move, you're outside of the channel, where it's a little bit more shallow, you can run your ship aground, which is, no bueno um i decided yep. um to do a loss of steering drill in the center of the channel i had no idea how are they going to react if they had you know good enough uh, folks that could come you know that, that could fight off this casualty and restore it in in a you know in a fast enough fashion where we can regain steering and stay center channel and not run aground i wanted them to experience a win i wanted them to to know that they were capable Mariners capable of doing probably the hardest thing to do, which is regain steering after you lost it in the middle of the channel. And it was a bold and risky move, but I thought that if we went, if we achieved it and we got through it, man, the crew would feel great about themselves. And if they could overcome that, there's nothing that they can't overcome. So we did it. And man, just watching their faces after they regained steering and still were able to maintain their position in the channel. Man, like just in a moment, you can see that their idea of being a loser was completely erased. They're like, holy smokes, man, we do got skills. We have what it takes. We have all-stars on board the ship that can run this ship the way that it was designed to be run. And then after that underway, it was just like small victory after small victory. It was out to sea um, taking on helos. It was out to sea getting gas going alongside another ship. And then they were like, man, we're pretty damn good. And they felt so good about yes. themselves. And that's when they are just like, sir, we've never had so much fun. Can we just stay out at sea and just continue on this winning path? And uh, that's when I knew we won them over. And it was like no turning back from there.
0: It's it's funny you bring that up. You know, you got a few more gray hairs than me. I don't have any gray hairs, man. You should see. You don't have any gray <laughs> hairs at all? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you don't. Oh, you, it's the agent uh, in me. Good genetics, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Uh, but it's funny you bring that up because, you know, I think I, I'm i just now figuring that out, you know, like in my journey is like the small wins are huge, mm-hmm. especially when you're in a rut. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to you got to figure out how to celebrate the small wins. And, um, it, and I'm seeing that, too. So the, there's so much value there. Especially with a new team, especially with a team that's been beat down, yeah, like you gotta really find those small wins, exploit them, celebrate
1: them, and say, "Hey, guys, we're not, we're doing good." Like, and with y'all, the, yeah, with the small and wins, the team, is coming together. Absolutely, right? with those small wins, you have to find ways to continue to ride the momentum. Like, if if you're continuing to win, and then you got to continue to challenge them so that they can continue to get more wins, and then they'll start to feel unstoppable. And what we were able to do on the Harpers Ferry, it became to the point where it was almost too much where I was like, holy smokes, man, like higher ups are asking way too much from us now. But the crew was like, sir, we got this, man. Bring it. We got this. And so they had this level of confidence that, um, you know, was almost like (laughs) they were, they were asking a lot more for a lot more than they could chew. But, they were still freaking achieving it. They were still winning and they just felt more and more freaking accomplished. And it was just, it was almost to the point where I was like uncomfortable, like taking these things on, Um, but they wanted to get after it. And it was awesome. That's,
0: that's awesome. You just made, made the title of this one. I think ride the momentum. (laughs) Um, I like that. So, uh, so that's Harper's Ferry. Um, We covered, most of your 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 journey so far. What do we miss so far in your journey, other than where you're at today? That you want to talk. Um,
1: about? I don't know if you follow my Instagram or not, um, but that's kind of it's been my like prized possession. I I wasn't a, a social media guy until I took command of the John P Murtha. So the Comstock, the the Harper's Ferry 05 commands, major command was John P Murtha. And if you can remember back in 2020. Uh, everything that this country was going through uh, between COVID, um, you know, all the political unrest, the social injustice, everything um, that we were dealing with yep. as a as a country. And we were in the yards. Um, and if you don't know anything about ship life in the yards, it sucks. Um, it's dirty. It's nasty. Parking is um, not available for the crew. Um, the quality of life, morale sucks when you're in the yards. That's when you get a lot of. Um, you know, folks, you know, doing drugs, acting up, uh, a lot of, you know, behaviors, um, you know, just, you know, destructive behaviors happens while a ship is in the yards. Um, so I took over summer of 20, um, we were, um, about 15% behind in the yards. The crew was divided racially, they're divided politically. Um, you know, Dealing with COVID, man, I was just like, "How the heck are we going to get ourselves above water where we can have a command like I had at Comstock or I had on the Harper's Ferry?" Um, so you know, I couldn't rah rah right. I couldn't huddle them up and I couldn't talk to them. They couldn't see my face because we we're freaking wearing those stupid masks. I couldn't be in a in a in a in a collective group with more than fifteen people for more than fifteen minutes. Uh, we had to be you know six feet socially distanced. All of that. Um, and we are still supposed to be able to run the ship, get the ship out of the yards, um, and be out to see where we belong. So it was a it was a Herculean task. One of the HM three is female. Um, I was kind of having this conversation with her. I was like, "How do I do this? I'm not used to leading like this. I want to be able to see faces. I want to see the passion, the love, the energy that I have for this job. But they can't see it when I'm wearing this stupid mask." He's like, "Well, sir, have you thought about social media?" And I was like, "What the hell is that?" She's asked, you have Facebook? yeah Snapchat? I was like, I don't have any of it. So she took my phone, and then she set up an Instagram account on my phone. And she even asked me, like, what do you want to be called? I was like, I don't know. Jervia Lutter. She's like, well, you're going to be the CEO of the U.S.S. John P. Martha. I said, okay, whatever. And then so I started doing these posts. And, you know, my followership, when I I reached like 20 followers and I was like, holy smokes, man, this is awesome. I got 20 people that are like my friends. And then um, (laughs) I I thought I was like, cool. I was telling my daughter, who was at the Academy at the time. And she was like, dad, when you get to like a thousand, let me know. Because she was like at 1,200 or whatever. So next thing (laughs) you know, I'm like at 100. And, you know, all I do is I'm using this platform to recognize sailors and just to keep them informed of what we're trying to accomplish. Some of the, some of the goals that we're trying to accomplish because I wasn't able to do the all hands calls, the weekly all hands calls that I was used to. But then they, it it just started to blow up. We got out to sea, I started showcasing not only the awesome, you know, professional things that we're doing, but also showcasing the ways that we could have fun uh, and the wild things that you could do out at sea. And then next thing you know, the followers just started freaking going wild and um, I started doing like all these, you know, weird, like, um, you know, unusual, like mom requests. A mom would write me, DM me and say, Hey, I haven't seen my son. Can you just put him on your Instagram? And then, so next, you know, I would showcase sailors for through mom requests and, you know, (laughs) I would get like hundreds of requests at a time. And I'm just like, man, this is hard work because I'm running the, the page and anytime someone says, Hey, can I see my son? Can I see my daughter? Can I see my brother? Can I see my husband or whatever? I'd have to physically go there and find them and, and do this Instagram <laughs> reel, and uh, so it was hard work. Um, but it became this thing that was out of control, and it really showcased a the Surface Navy and the Surface Warfare Officer community, um, and it really blew up. So just recently, I just got um, you know named like one of the first Navy digital ambassadors. Um, you know, to represent the Navy. And they're actually gonna fly me out to the Army Navy game in the Super Bowl uh, to do Good. some of the uh, social media uh, engagements. Um, and I've just been having a blast. The only thing with the, the mountain where I'm currently working at is it's super secret, so I can't bring my phone, so I don't have the content like I used to have. Um, no but doubt. it's still yep. being able to reach out and <laughs> celebrate and appreciate all the epic things that sailors um, are doing on a daily basis. Um, and so I took the command of the, of the John P. Murtha to a whole nother level. I led the same way with the same energy, passion, and love that I always do, but other folks outside the command were able to see it because of this, this platform, um, we call Instagram.
0: Yeah. I think you're onto something there and that's another reason why I'm doing this podcast. And I went through COVID as a a factory manager as well. and, And things change, right? And it's, um, it's a new battleground. Yeah. Is really what it is. And because if, if we don't put that out there, if we don't do these things as good leaders, as you know, I'm, I'm saying that as a good, like I feel like I'm a good leader, but you're like, um, you know, that on steroids, <laughs> is you're at that level, especially the, the Navy ambassador for digital media, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. It, and it feels
1: weird. Like-, like that's, Yeah. You have to overcome all the the salty dogs. You know, there are folks that are saying, Oh, this is what our Navy's coming to. You know, this is the woke Navy. This is, you know, we're, you know, we're losing, uh, you know, China because people are more engaged with TikToks and Instagram, but it's not about that. Right. It's about um, putting out all the goodness um, that we're able to achieve and, you know, being able to recruit the best and the the brightest um, when they can see that, you know, all this stuff that you hear about being on the ship, it's not necessarily true. Here is living proof um, that it's not always negative. You know, everything that we're dealing with, with mental health, like, um, you know, put it out on a platform so people can see what what, what everyone's dealing with. Um, or, yeah, because they're going to look at something on that platform. They're going to either look at
0: something that's not good or Absolutely.
1: Good. <laughs> you might right? as well showcase the so, positive.
0: Absolutely. Spot on. Well,
1: man... What, uh, how'd you hear about this podcast? Just through Matt, Matt texted me and he was like, uh, Hey man, you need to, you need to hook up with Tony and, uh, he's doing something special, um, price of admission. I, I, I think that's a freaking awesome, um, name, um, awesome kind of theme. Um, I, I didn't know what it was at first until you described it. And I was listening to it and I was like, man, it's exactly who Clint Bruce is exactly what, you know, kind of messaging that needs to get out there because, life isn't free, man. Like things that come to you aren't free. You got to work your ass off. You got to be able to you know, roll up your sleeves um, and be willing to pay the price um, so that good things can happen. Um, You know, we live in a freaking entitled society where they think things just happen. Um, You don't got to put in the work. You don't got to, you know, you don't have to pay the price of admission, um, you know, to get the things that you want out of life. Um, and and that's just not how this world works. It's not how the Navy
0: works. So what, what's your price of admission,
1: man? So, um, my price of admission is knowing how lucky and blessed I am to be alive, how lucky I am, uh, lucky and blessed, um, you know, to, to, to have, you know, the opportunity to, to, to affect young lives, to be a difference maker in their lives. And I know that I paid the price. Uh, I continue to pay the price um, and I have to continue to win um, in order um, to have this platform in, in order to be the leader that I know that people deserve, um, that people need in order you know, to keep this organization we call the Navy or the Surface Community Navy going. Um, yeah. Do we need a change? Do we need to make it better. Absolutely. I mean, we're losing way too many lives through mental health. Um, We have way too many ships that are, um, you know, not answering the call, whether it's because of uh, physical readiness, whether it's material readiness, you name it. Uh, We are struggling as an organization. We need to change leadership. We need to be able, um, you know, to bring new energy um, with new love and new passion um, so that we can be the fighting force um, that this country needs. So my price of admission, um, you know, to, you know, to the organization we call the Navy, I got to continue to grind, man. I got to continue to work on my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual health, my emotional health, so that I can continue to be the leader um, that's going to mold and shape these young officers um, and then this next generation so that we can continue to be the premier fighting force um, in the world.
0: Spot on. Now, this is what those those people want to hear you ready? They want to hear how, how do you get
1: the most out of people? That that's, that's the question. Hey, you know how you get the most out of people when people know that they are loved, when they are cared about, they are willing to lay it all on the line for you. Just like in football, right? When you have, when you know that you have 10 other brothers that have your back And that they're not going to let you fail. You freaking go all out for them. When these sailors, when these Marines know that there's somebody that cares about them, whether it's a squad leader, whether it's a department head, whether it's a commanding officer, when they know that they are valued, they are living purposeful lives and somebody loves them and somebody cares about what they do, they are unstoppable. They they, They will do anything to ensure that the team wins. So you want to get the most out of people, you show them you freaking care. You show them that you love them. You show them that they're appreciated and that they're recognized. And that's not just words or like a pat on the back. Um, You know, that's through their evals. That's through giving them leave or liberty. That's through awards. Um, And that's just through smiles and a handshake or a fist bump. There's so many ways that you could recognize folks and, and, and show them that they're appreciated. And that's really all people want. Man, like, you can give them money, you can give them time off, whatever, but all they want to know and all they want to, you know, for them to understand is that there's someone out there that loves them, that appreciates them, and, you know, that their work isn't going unnoticed. They're working their asses off, but if they think that they're working for nothing, do you think they're going to put in the work? Absolutely not.
0: True. Fist bump goes
1: a long way. Yeah. Like, long way. Just all all it takes is a fist bump. Uh,
0: So... Is there something that like in here I'm going to go into a continuous improvement mode, like, is there something you could stop, start, continue? So like, I want to get better. I'm continuing to get better as a person. I want to stop doing this thing that I used to do. I want to start doing this new thing that I'm thinking about. And I want to continue doing this because it's working. What is your stop, start, continue?
1: Stop, start, continuum. So. I need to continue to grow. Like, I, I'm a dumb jock. Um, to me, you're you're winning or you're losing. You're growing or you're dying. And if I don't continue to work on my trade, um, then I am dying, right? So I need to read more. I need to talk more. Uh, I need to keep myself more in tune with society, you know, the younger folks, so I can stay connected. Um, I also need, in my opinion, need to be more professional. Like I, I I like to challenge, um, folks, um, you know, and I know that there is a system and a way of doing things within, you know, this structured Navy organization. Um, and sometimes I get too crazy and and too wild that I'm, you know, I'm challenging the organization. I have the same challenge. What's that? Yeah. The same challenge. I I have the same challenge. Yeah. So the higher I get, um, the more I realize that there are not a lot of folks that think like me, so that could be a blessing and a curse, right? So I, yep. I am wild. I'm out there. I'm all about the people. You know, you have two way too many commanders that are mission oriented. They always say mission first, people always, but I, I don't agree. I think cost. it's
0: people first. In my world, it's in my world. It's all about costs, financials. Yeah. How you going to come? Yeah. Well, you take care of your people, some seeds that'll grow in two years. Yeah, you
1: take care of your people. Those measurables will be uh, in the positive. right? You're going to find the numbers are going to be in your in your favor. It's when you start going after the numbers, you know, when you're taking care of or, or you're more concerned about the fruit than the actual root. You'll maybe get the yep. fruit eventually, but then eventually the, that 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 tree is gonna die because you weren't taking care of the foundation, the people. True. So, um, you know, I, I've learned that you just take care of the people. You show them that they're cared about, that they're loved. Um, the mission will happen, and you're gonna have overwhelming success because the people yep. uh, are the ones the ones that are in between the lines are gonna ensure that it happens.
0: No doubt. With that, with that question, what are you going to stop doing? What are your shortcomings? <laughs> we all want to know what Jervy's shortcomings are because, right now, you you seem like a, you know, Hercules to everybody.
1: Oh man, I I, I don't know about that. Um, I just I know that I love what I do. Um, you know, when I wake up and I am so freaking ready to get after work, uh, I know how lucky and blessed I am um, just to work in this freaking mountain that I work in. It may be you know twenty degrees, but I feel so blessed to have the opportunity to work in a place that not a lot of people um, can get into. Um you know You're not answering the question. <laughs> the oh man. <laughs> There's I like I'm not the smartest cat. Like I I used to work I was the DA for Admiral Moran when he was the vice CNO. And I remember being in, in a in a room full of all these higher ranking folks. And I just didn't feel like I belonged in that room. Um, you know, I, I, I probably need, you know, to, to get better with uh, feeling like I belong, especially in this higher organization. Um,
0: what do you mean, like, like tact?
1: Or- no, just like knowledge, um, you know, okay. like. Politician, yeah, politics. uh, You know, just strategy, um, big navy concepts. Um, It's never been my forte, and I I think if I want to continue,
0: big navy, you you (laughs) were the commanding officer for three ships. What are you talking? Yeah, but that's operational. People people are trying to figure out how to manage their homes, (laughs) and you manage three
1: floating islands in the ocean. Yeah, like I I don't know. So I, I think I'm in a good position because my kids are grown. Um, I used to be, I used to worry about work-life balance, um, making sure that I was there for my kids. Um, but then I always had this freaking kick-ass wife that was always there, um, while I was deployed, um, while I was gone, while I was doing other things, geo-batching and Pentagon. I had no doubts that the kids were always going to be in good hands, um, because I had the wife that understood my job, understood the time, um, a lot that was required to do my job the way I wanted to do it. Um, and then my kids just turned out so damn good, um. And it was all because of her. So life-work balance is no longer a thing because now it's just me and my wife in my house. I got some dogs that, you know, are stuck in the house for long periods of time. Good thing they got big bladders so that, you know, they can not pee or poo in the house while we're we're gone. (laughs) Um, But no, I I really feel blessed. I I have a great life, um, you know, and I I still feel like I have energy and passion uh, for this job. I don't know if Matt told you, but like my career aspirations, man, I want to go back to the academy, man. I want to be the Don. I want to be able to shape and mold young lives and get- do it. He said that you're going to be an admiral. So well, I don't know about that. That's-
0: I'm sure you can be the Don for sure. Yeah, that's
1: not the goal. The goal got-
0: it's never been, uh, you know, a rank. You can't be too high. You can't be that politician. You got to be. The guy that makes an impact. Exactly.
1: Right?
0: You can't be the the soup. You got to be the
1: dog. Yeah. I, I want to be able to, you know, still mobilize uh, future officers, um, be a positive influence in their lives. And, um you know, and, and, and still, like, let them know that you're about to go do something pretty damn special. You make sure you are prepared to go out to the fleet. <laughs> yep. Because the minute you freaking step on that ship, on that squadron, on that submarine. Everyone's or on gonna the field. sniff you out. Oh man, they they're gonna, gonna you out. better come with it, um, or else you're gonna be this timid soul that they're gonna take full advantage of. No doubt.
0: Last last question for me. Uh do you have a biggest mistake in your career? Something that you look back on and like, man, I that one that one hit, but I learned from it. What was
1: that? it's, it, it, it's always like people. Um, like I, I had a sailor just on the John P Mirth and this has happened several times where I, I put a lot of faith in them and, um, you know, they, they made mistakes. They were badass at what they did. Um, and they made a mistake. Well, I gave them a second chance. Um, and they came back and they said, F you captain, slap me in the face. And did it the same? you know, did have the same freaking destructive behavior that almost cost the life. Um, and, uh, I mean, practically destroyed life almost cost the life. And I think to myself, man, that was all because of me. Like I could have stopped that. Um, I could have prevented that by just freaking kicking them out of the Navy instead of um, trying to take care of this person. I should have saw right through him. Um, so I, I, I look at that and I, you know, it's, it's never about the ship material condition. I had a boiler blow up when I was a chief engineer. Um, you know, I've had some casualties, but that's not the stuff that, um, that I lose sleep at night about it's, it's the people, the folks that I weren't, I wasn't able to connect with. I wasn't able to reach out to, um, you know, either, you know, they did something destructive or they just ended up, you know, doing something, um, you know, that they weren't very proud of. So there, there's some things like good thing in my three commands, I've never lost a sailor, uh, never lost a sailor through suicide or through some some accident. So I, 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 I'm pretty proud that I was able to achieve that. Um, but just like recently, like I, I, I could have prevented something from, from seriously happening. Um, and, and, and I'll always um, hold myself accountable and look back and say, man, I should have done more. I hear you.
0: That's probably not an uncommon thing. You know, for someone that believes in people, that someone that pushes people, that someone that, you know, gives them a second chance and uh, wants to see it follow through. But like at some point that that thing hits and you just never know when that thing's going to happen. So I appreciate you sharing that today because, you know, that's something I was thinking about too on, on, a, on a different scale. I'm, I'm not um, a CEO of a ship, <laughs> uh, but I might be going through something like that with, with one of my, uh, my factory folks. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that with me today. Um, I told you that was the
1: last one, but one more question. Dude, what did you learn today? Man, what I learned today, I, I learned that there are brothers out there that are doing awesome things. Um, you know, Tony, I, I, I didn't know you, um, you know, but I knew that you played football and I knew that you're a good friend of Matt. Um, but knowing yeah. that you're able to touch lives through this platform, um, and and having an effect on people um you're doing awesome things man and you know there are so many people out there that are doing unbelievable things and you know just within our own brotherhood organization um we have some folks um that are hugely successful and having an impact and making a difference in people's lives and it's always refreshing to see and hear um and i just hope that you know i can one day live up to you know all the other brothers that have done unbelievable things that are still continuing to contribute to our society. in so in so many epic ways, um, you know, I, I feel like I have, you know, some brothers that I I, I, I need to do right by, you know, and, and kind of keep the legacy going. Um, like the, you know, the Clint Bruce, Bruce's, the Ben Fays, um, all those that have come before us. Um, you know, we got to continue to honor them and their legacy and, and continue to do the great things um, that Navy football brothers are capable of doing.
0: No doubt, and man, you're like I told you at the beginning of this. You took me out of my comfort zone because I've been staying close to my like inner circle, and now I get to experience the one of the one of the legends with the God Godfather group. Um, Jervy, aloha, everybody. I appreciate your conversation today. I've learned a whole you know a ton. Uh, very appreciative, and and your your whole um, you know digital ambassador for the Navy. Keep that up. Like people need that. And we got to keep on combating it every day, because if if you don't, who will? Absolutely. The other side, right? Keep protecting the team, people first. Um, You know, appreciate the conversation.
1: And I didn't ask, but uh, tell the family I said hello tonight. I sure will. Thanks, brother, man. It's been an honor and a privilege. Uh, Truly lucky and blessed to have this this opportunity. Awesome. Thanks for the time. All right, brother. Be good.
0: Signing off, man.